Hello, Night Nation, and welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Stewart, and I'm here with my partner, Tony Cummings. How are you doing, Tony? Doing great. Super pumped to be back. We're going to come in strong for the rest of the year, just like the UCF football team. Football is right around the corner. You know, we took a little summer break, but we're here now, so please expect more podcasts on the regular from us, and please check us out on our social media. You got us at UCF Nightcap. Uh, Twitter, UCF Nightcap on Instagram, and UCF Nightcap Facebook group. Also, please uh, check me out on my personal uh, Twitter account, UCF365 at Twitter, and UCF underscore 365 on Instagram. What about you, Sean? Yeah, everyone, please give me a follow at SeanSUCF on on Twitter. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be bringing a ton more content here as we get closer to the season, as we see what our Knights have in store for us in the 2022-2023 season, which... It looks like it could be shaping up to be a really good one for us. What do you think? Absolutely, man. I just, even though it was like a summer break for us, it just seems like news has been coming in fast and furious, man. Just nonstop. And that's what I like to hear. You know, I like to see that our program is relevant, you know, and the national spotlight. And that's great news for us. Of course. I'm excited to see where this goes. And so with that, uh, we've got a we've got a packed show for you today just with a lot of news, as you mentioned, coming through uh, for UCF. So we'll go through some news and notes, and then we'll go ahead and dive into the uh, recruiting month of June. It was a big month, had a lot of visitors, had a couple commits, uh, both transfers and uh, some some recruits coming up for the 2023 class, so a lot to talk about there. And then uh, right after that, we'll go ahead and dive into some realignment news, as apparently the college football world has gone completely crazy. Um, You know, a lot has been shifting probably more than it ever has, so we'll dive into that for sure. Uh, I'm sure me and Tony have a lot to say about that. Uh, but as we dive into the news and notes, the one of the biggest pieces of news we've had over the last few months is uh, the new Big 12 commissioner. Obviously for UCF, that is a very important development for us as we're looking to move into the Big 12 right after this upcoming season. Uh, Bob Bowlesby, the longtime commissioner for the Big 12, announced a while back that he was going to be retiring. And the Big 12 went ahead and started a pretty unconventional search for a new commissioner. Uh, the They ended up settling on Brett Yormark, who is coming to the Big 12 uh, from Rock Nation, Jay-Z's talent agency. Uh, he was the chief operating officer there, had a lot of experience across other levels of sports, namely the NBA and NASCAR, but notably not a lot of college experience. Uh, what were your thoughts on the hire? Definitely out of the box, and like other people have mentioned, uh, similar to our Pac-12, the Pac-12 hire that was also a, a media person that didn't have a college experience. That's a good point. That hire right there was was uh, George Klyukov from. He was the president of entertainment for MGM Resorts. That was one of the first guys to get hired uh, for a commissioner job of a major college conference that wasn't a president or an athletic director or seriously involved at the university level. So we're seeing a shift in in college football. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about it is, you know, with all the shifting, right, we've talked about realignment in our previous episodes. We've talked a lot about name, image, and likeness, and we're watching a consolidation of the sport, the haves and the have-nots. The money is flowing uh, from boosters to players. We're seeing players transfer uh, for better money, for better opportunities, and now we're watching the schools start to consolidate more. Uh, and with that happening, there's a lot of worry about is college football moving towards a professional model 
And I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing these presidents of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 as well looking around and saying, okay, if we're just going to do things the same way we've always done them, are we still going to be successful? And I think they're thinking the answer is no to that. And so by getting somebody that is more used to a pro-style game, that is more used to other levels of sports, he can come in and give new ideas that can maybe help push the Big 12 forward versus backwards as this uh, landscape changes. Yeah, exactly. It's not the good old boys club, you know? So he doesn't have any loyalty to any of these other conferences. He's going to do what's best for the Big 12. He's going to be aggressive and treat it like a professional program. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can do for us. Definitely. You know, I think one of the interesting things, too, is he, he's not technically supposed to start till August, right? But rumors are, I mean, we'll get we'll get more into it. Well, actually, no, no rumors. Actually, I saw it. He's, he already started early. He was supposed to start August 1st. Forget about it. He already started now because he said, you know, we can't waste any moment right now, especially with everything going on. So he's already working already ahead of, the, ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll get into the realignment talk a little later to go more in depth with what he might be working on. But uh, there's a lot of talk that he's been working the phones and he's been really aggressive to position the Big 12 as, you know, at the very least, the number three conference in college football behind the SEC and the Big 10. That's what I like to hear. We want UCF to be involved in those kinds of conversations. But one thing I want to run by you that I, I want to see what you think. They, they Rumors before they hired Brett were that they were down to a couple finalists for the Big 12 president job. And they ended up coming out saying none of these candidates that we're considering are involved in college athletics currently. So that means they chose early in the process. They weren't going to think about college athletics. And that leads to the second rumor that came out immediately after Brett got hired that Alex Martins, the CEO of the Orlando Magic, was himself one of the finalists. Any thoughts? I mean, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it because, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to, I wish I could see like what they're paying each one or what the perks were because Alex Martin is already the CEO of the land of magic. Why would he want to be just a, you know, the president of a conference? But maybe the president of a conference gives him better perks and better pay. Maybe he just wanted to, you know, just switch it up. But uh, so I, it's hard for me to see this or, you know, I believe, you know, I know it's a rumor, but I, I mean, I can see it being legit. Alex Martin has a lot of ties to UCF. He's on the board for the athletic department at UCF. So, yeah, I mean, that, that could have been an in for him to go for it. But, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit shocked, to be honest. You know, being from Orlando, I can say as long as I can remember, Alex Martins has been associated with the Orlando Magic. And so I wonder if the reason this got out is because he might be thinking of it, it might be time to change it up a little bit, you know? If you're with something, if you're with the same organization for as long as he has, you know, maybe he is feeling like it's time to, to find something new. Obviously, we're a UCF podcast, not an Orlando Magic podcast. But go having, Magic. Said that, having said that, we're from Orlando, <laughs> go Magic. Uh, and so, uh, you know, obviously any, any kind of connections there we want to talk about. But, yeah, just really interesting development uh, all the way around. But, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the new Big 12. Um, speaking of that, obviously – Terry Mahajer has been hard at work uh, in not only positioning us to join the Big 12, but trying to increase our athletic budget so that we can be in line with the rest of the Big 12. And I think, you know, a, a few months back, they posted, UCF Athletics posted a, a presentation that was made by Terry Mahajer that outlined the revenue needed, or whether it be donations, media, or wherever that we need to compete with the other departments in the Big 12. And so 
as we've seen over the last few months, we've had a couple of announcements that have led to more revenue for the athletic department. Uh, one of them recently was the $5 million donation of the athletic department by Mark and Sharon Hagel, former astronauts and former UCF alumni that are constantly giving back to the community. They put a $5 million donation to the athletic department to help boost our current uh, plans to build on the facilities and all of those kinds of things. Seeing those kinds of uh, those kinds of donations and the kind of work Terry's putting in, I think should have us all pretty excited. Yeah, you got to have that budget to play with the big boys in general. I mean, we got big boys just here in the state of Florida that aren't part of the Big 12. But now we're going in the Big 12 and we got to compete just in that base. But once we get there, we got to think bigger. You know, we got to compete with FSU, University of Miami, University of Florida. And obviously they already got big budgets. But that's, that's a long-term picture here. You know, UCS, and like Coach Gus says, we're here to win a national championship. So that's the goal. So you got to have money. You got to have money to play with the big boys. Definitely. Without without being able to do that, it just it affects not just the facilities that you can put together. Obviously, you know, the more flashy you can be, the more recruits are going to gravitate towards you, like it or not. But in addition to that, you look at the Alabamas of the world that are filling out their coaching staffs, that are filling out their analysts, that are filling out their support staffs and everything with just as many extra bodies as they can that can maximize their efficiencies. And I'm glad you brought Alabama. And, you know, like I love recruiting. It's a passion of mine. But Alabama is king. You talk about analysts, they have like their recruiting staff is like 50 people deep, just their recruiting staff alone. So, I mean, how do you think they fund that? They fund that with these big budgets. So, you know, recruiting matters. You know, what do they say? You got to have the, you got to have the, it's not about the coaching, it's about the players. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So recruiting is key number one. Of course. And, you know, again, we're, we're continuing to see the athletic department try to make, make moves from a, from a financial standpoint, we actually saw today uh, that they signed a new media rights deal as well for the UCF Athletics Association with a company called Playfly. Uh, they entered into a 13-year multimedia rights agreement worth $125 million in guaranteed rights revenue. Right now, the Board of Trustees is scheduled to meet at 2 p.m. on Tuesday to approve the outline of this deal. And essentially what they're trying to do we used to have a deal with IMG to help us with our multimedia. And you think sponsorships, you think, you know, anything that can kind of generate more revenue for the department through our own right sponsorships, media, any of those kinds of things. After 2016, we didn't get a great deal with IMG. So that deal lapsed and we have been handling it ourselves from 2016 to now. While there's some benefits to doing that, namely, you don't have to, uh, you get all of the revenue from any of your sponsorships and any of your media rights. The downside is you've got to make all the hires yourself. You've got to do all of the work yourself. And so that that cuts into the budget. Whereas now, this company is going to come in. It's one of the largest multimedia rights deals in the country. And it's going to allow UCF to concentrate on the things that matter and have a company that's going to handle these rights for them. $125 million guaranteed over 13 years. That's the minimum. Remember, if they do a better job of selling our rights, that could be worth more to us. Not to talk smack about the previous marketing company, but what a bad time to leave UCF in 2016. Yeah, seriously. That was <laughs> yeah, that was right after our, our winless season, right? Oh, yeah, but they left us in the dust there, and look what happened the next year, baby. Mm-hmm. National champions. Absolutely. UCF's been on the rise. Anybody sleeping on us, is uh, that's their own problem, I guess, right? There you go. 
But I mean, the the revenue coming from these deals is, you know, it, it's going to be a huge, huge uh, deal for UCF. We're going to see a lot of a lot of different aspects for for the department. Yeah, just to add to what you and me had a conversation off the podcast, Terry's looking to bring this revenue in in any which way. Absolutely, and then, you know, I think it's a, a good transition here, right? You talked about the need for analysts and the reason that some of these schools can be so successful is they're bringing in the right analysts, the right staffs to do the work that they need done. And we actually just announced today a new analyst for UCF football. Who was that that they were, they were bringing in? So they're bringing in DJ Magnus. I want to say, sorry if I'm pronouncing his last name wrong, but he basically, he was an understudy for Joe Brady out in LSU. And as you know, Joe Brady was the, the football college football genius for that one year that helped LSU win that national championship. And Joe Brady went on to go to the NFL. So this guy is coming to UCF. You know, Gus knows what he's doing. He's bringing this guy's very talented uh, coordinator with LSU. And now he's going to become an uh, offensive analyst for us. So looking forward to that, helping our wide receivers, QBs, and just all different offensive uh, ideas I'm thinking. I love it. You know, I think having Gus here, um, you know, I think for a lot of years, right, UCF had, I mean, we had O'Leary for so long, George O'Leary. He was coming in here with the mindset, hey, look, I've already had a career. I'm going to come here. I'm going to build at UCF. Obviously, he had his own problems that led him to UCF, of course, but he didn't come here looking for the next stepping stone. And you could see what he was able to build from the time he started to the time that he ultimately left, given you know the Fiesta Bowl wins and, and the stadium. That All of that really is a credit to George O'Leary and the program that he built. But after that happened, I think UCF started to move into this mindset of, okay, we're going to go get the hot coordinator. That hot coordinator is going to come in, they're going to innovate, and they're going to come in and they're going to do their thing. And maybe they're only going to be here for a couple of years, but they're going to elevate us to then the next hot recruiting candidate or next coaching candidate that can come in and do the same thing, right? We saw that with Frost, saw that with Heupel. But what I love about Malzahn is that he is more, I think, O'Leary. And you can see it because he's got the established track record to bring in guys like this. Joe Brady is one of the hottest names in football right now. He's the guy who led the offense for for Joe Burrow's national championship season that vaulted him to the Heisman and the number one pick. He went immediately after that, got hired to join the Carolina Panthers as their offensive coordinator. He's one of the brightest minds in the game, one of the brightest passing coordinators in the game. And it goes to show the clout that he has to bring in someone like DJ as an analyst. So moving on from that, uh, you know, we also had a, a pretty fun piece of news that came through uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, we, anybody familiar with the Upstart USFL uh, Football League? Uh, it's supposed to be uh, kind of a, a, a pseudo minor league for the NFL. You know, players that are looking to showcase their skills and are hoping to maybe get a tryout at a, at a training camp uh, coming up here. Uh, that's why their season is during their off season. Um, and we had two UCF alumni uh, win the USFL championship in Marlon Williams and Jordan McRae. Uh, did you catch any of the games? Absolutely, man. I'm loving this league. It's a nice spring league, you know, for football, but it's, it's not just like people just trying to make the NFL. There's a, you know, ex-NFL players on here. Like, for example, Jordan McRae was part of the 2013 UCF season that went to the Fiesta Bowl. And then you got Marlon Williams here that was part of the 
the UCF Knights, the 2017 team that won the national uh, championship versus Auburn. So you got two championship caliber UCF players in this league. Uh, Jordan has played in the NFL, and I know he wants to play back there again, so hopefully this will showcase him. And obviously Marlon didn't even get a shot, so hopefully this year round he might get a shot for this upcoming season. So it's a great league. I think it's here to stay, and only for one reason only. Uh, Fox is invested in this league, like financially. They're actually part ownership of this league. So if Fox owns the league, they're obviously going to broadcast the league and keep pumping into the marketing. So I don't see this league uh, disappearing like these other leagues. So I don't know how long it's going to last, but it could have potential to last for a very, very long time. Yeah, hopefully they just make it to their second season, unlike a lot of these other leagues. Yeah, that's right. Before we before we move on from that though, uh, you know if I remember correctly, Marlon Williams kind of tore up the league. Uh, he he seemed to have a highlight every week. You think he gets a shot? I do, man. I do think he gets a shot, man, because Marlon's always had like he pretty much he's got great hands. He always catches the ball. He always finds a way to catch the ball, and he he knows how to manhandle his cornerbacks and DBs, uh, safeties that try to like come at him, and he's always won the one on one battles. I mean, he was the go to wide receiver for us and uh it, we really felt it when he wasn't on the team so um nfl i mean i know they judge him because he's only six foot tall but man this guy's got the hands he's got the attitude he's gonna win those one-on-one battles he just needs a shot absolutely would love to see him in the league even just getting a shot in some preseason games this year would be pretty exciting um Moving on to the next bit of news, uh, you know, it's a little minor, but uh, at the end of the day, I got a, a pretty good chuckle, I think, as did other UCF fans. Did you happen to see USF's stadium news from, from, the, other, from the other day? So I didn't actually, like, see the video or the news itself because I don't care about USF, <laughs> but I got to see my uh, Night Nation on Twitter, and it was trending, so I knew something was up. But basically, this clown show, the cows over here, um, I guess they had a press conference to talk about their new stadium and um, how, you know, they're they're trying to hopefully, you know, by verbally saying it, it's actually going to happen, but they've been verbally saying it for as long as I can remember. Point of the story is they, uh, they got some renderings and they're talking about the stadium, blah, 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 blah. Somebody in the crowd mentions, hey, is it going to be better than UCS Stadium? And the board up there just starts cracking up and they're like, ha, 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 yes, it's going to be better than UCS Stadium. So what do you think about that, Sean? I think it's got crazy little brother energy going on there. You know, for a, for a team and a university that likes to pretend like they're on some extra pedestal compared to us, I think it's hilarious that when they're, they're about to unveil the plans for one of the best things that's ever happened, the first questions about UCF, I think that says it all, man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> says it all. Yeah, you, know, you might have better stadium us in 30 years, I guess, whenever you decide to build this thing. Hey, you know what? If you want to have the best stadium in the rebuilt Conference USA, man, you go right ahead and do that. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very funny. Anyway, on that note, um, uh, UCF had a great article on The Athletic. I'm going to let Sean give us a little breakdown on it. But from your take, you highly recommend any UCF fan check this article out, right? Absolutely. The Athletic itself, for anybody that isn't aware, I, I highly recommend if you're a sports fan that you look into The Athletic. It is, uh, obviously, it is a subscription basis, uh, but the amount of uh, talented writers that they have, it, it's some of the best in-depth writing you're going to get from sports. And they do this thing called uh, the state of the program. And they actually have writers go through 
all teams in Division One football and give a state of the program. Give it what happened in the last couple seasons, what's going on in the offense, defense, special teams, what's their schedule look like, and what's the outlook for the season, right? It's extremely well done. Well, UCF's came out, and it was extremely glowing about how Gus Malzahn's done in his first season, even despite the injuries, how we beat the Gators, how we're the top team in Florida. They go through what the offense, defense, and special teams could look like this year. And I know we spent a lot of time on it, so I'll really just go into the gist. They think that we are in line to be one of the top two, three teams in the league and could absolutely get a conference championship. And to hear that from a neutral observer, especially from a publication like The Athletic that's really reputable, uh, I mean, you know, we're homers here, of course. We love UCF. We try not to be biased, but let's be real. We think they're going to go undefeated every year. And uh, so so when you hear from a neutral uh, writer that they think that UCF could run the table, win a conference championship, it's got to make you feel good. Damn right. Damn right it does. Well, that'll do it for news and notes. So uh, we can go ahead and uh, jump right into uh, some recruiting news from the last couple months. You know what time it is. It's that boom talk. Got to talk about... The double boom that we got this week from the Harris Twins from Lake Brantley, you know, added on to the Gus bus. With that being said, these are both four-star linebackers from Lake Brantley. Could have went to Michigan State University. Nope. Could have went to Maryland University. Nope. That was in the top three. Who they choose? University of Central Florida. They chose to be hometown heroes. They wanted to be part of Twin U. You know, we got the Henderson Twins last year. We got the McCray Twins were part of the 2013 Fiesta Bowl Championship. And, you know, the Griffin Twins were part of the 2017 National Championship UCF out in Georgia. So, there you go. We got the, the Twins coming to UCF. Super pumped about that. You know, I know these guys personally. I've seen them play plenty of times. They kind of hinted to me early on that they were going to come to UCF. The UCF was, like, one of the number one schools. But, you know, I didn't want to share that personally. I wanted to, you know, let them share their information. So, I'm glad that... That's what happened. I wasn't really ever nervous. I really did feel they were going to come to UCF, so glad to have the Twins come to UCF. But with that being said, I'll let you guys know, these guys are super athletic, super fast, and they have a knack for tackling, and they don't care. I mean, Andrew, for one, actually, no, I take that back. Michael, for one, had a broken arm, had a casket, and the dude's still playing. And I remember he asked me, like, he wanted me to, like, give him, like, a, my review of how he played, and I just told him, I was like, dude, you got a broken arm. You're out here playing. You're tackling like crazy. Like, you're a monster. Like, the kid the kid doesn't care. And, I mean, I think Sean even said it. Like, I do see these guys taking it to the next level. And, and I'll let you add to that. And why is that, Sean? Because there's a certain type of player that does what? I mean, they just make plays. I mean, at the end of the day, when you – I mean, you see some of the highlights right after they committed, right? You see – you'll see one play where a run to the left, you see one of them right through the line, grabs him in the backfield. Next play goes the other direction. We'll avoid that guy. He's too good. Go the other way. Got his brother to knock it, knock him back in the backfield again. It's just, it, it's crazy that these two guys. I mean, they're they're built the same. They they act the same. They're fast. They're strong. They're already built like like they can play college, and uh, it's going to be really exciting. I think the other thing that's exciting too. You mentioned the Henderson twins. Um, you know, those guys are starting at UCF right now. They're going to come in, and they're going to their freshman years are going to be this year which means that when the Harris Twins come for their first year in the Big 12, hopefully the Henderson Twins are going to be in our secondary. So in our back seven, we're going to have two sets of twins, all four stars. I mean, insane, you know? And I remember, like, you, I'm glad you were confident because I remember when they first started talking about coming here, 
it just felt like wishful thinking. I mean, like these guys, four stars, they're they can go anywhere they want to go. They're really good, and to see them see them commit here, I mean, it's just just amazing. Yeah, I mean, even Tom um, Lemon came down to Orlando. He actually came down to the whole he's gone to the whole country for recruiting, and he gave he gave me a call, and he wanted to meet with the Harris brothers because he's like they're they're all pros. They're all, you know he considered them all pros, and he wanted to like talk to them. Because they're national, the national players that the whole country was looking at. They weren't able to meet with Tom for scheduling reasons, but you know, Tom's somebody that I respect that knows players and the quality of players. He's been uh, recruiting high school kids and spotlighting them for many, many years. He has his own uh, magazine. Definitely check it out, Tom Lemmings Recruiting. But yeah, he told me like these guys are the real deal. Those are the two players in Orlando. Well, there was three players that he wanted to talk to and showcase. And um, it was them two and the Apopka linebacker. And I apologize, his name's not coming to me, but he's a four or five star uh, linebacker. Not Apopka, I apologize. Jones. Jones, the, the, the. Sorry. Sorry, guys, the name's not coming to me right now. But it was him, the kid from Jones that went to IMG Academy that decided to play at Jones, and the twins at Lake Brantley. Those are three all pro high school players that he thought they were national recruits. So it goes even more that they chose to stay home. So glad to have him here. Glad to have this trend going. Glad to have the Gus bus continue that. You know, let's keep the best players home. Let's keep that fence around Central Florida. So with that being said, you know, I just want to continue this. Uh, Braden Marshall is the next target, I think, that hopefully he, he stays home. He's also another national recruit, another four-star quarterback, very talented. Um, in my opinion, last year, Nakai Martinez was the best DB in Central Florida. I think right behind them for this year is Brandon Marshall's the best DB in uh, Central Florida for his senior year. So if we can get him, that'd be great. And he goes to Lake Mary High School, and he's another player that has us in his top five. How are you feeling about him? I feel, personally, I, feel, I, I do think he's coming. He's best friends with uh, with... Goodness gracious! Today the names are coming at me. Um, who's the first uh, the player that committed to us from Apopka this year? Kevin Call. Kevin Call. So Kevin, thank you, Sean, for saving my day. So Kevin Call and Braden go way back, and they're best friends. And Kaden's personally recruiting him. But you know, I've talked to Braden too in the past, and even when he was a sophomore, he he, he had dreamed to come to UCF. Like his again, Tom Lemming. Uh, showcased him, and he asked him what are his top three schools. As a sophomore, he said UCF was his top three where he wanted to go to destination. He didn't even have an offer. He didn't get an offer till this year recently. But So I think he wanted to come to UCF more than UCF wanted him. But now UCF sees the talent, and they're recruiting him. I just Hopefully that doesn't come back to bite us. That they, It took a while to give him an offer, to be honest with you. I was actually kind of disappointed with the progress. <laughs> it took so long for that. But hopefully things turn around. They built a relationship with him, and he commits. My gut tells me he's. My gut tells me he's gonna pick UCF and stay home. So that's my uh, gut. But going with that, yeah, that would definitely be great. We're just gonna keep the, these four stars staying here in Orlando. I love it. Um, but a little bit outside of Orlando, but still considered Central Florida. Uh, Darian Zipper out of Lakeland High School, another player that I could see coming to UCF. It's a toss up with him if he's gonna come or not. But I know UCF's recruiting him really hard. And I'd like to see him come to UCF, keep that Lakeland UCF pipeline going. He's a late bloomer, right? He is a late bloomer. Um, after the spring ball recently is when he really showcased himself. And the problem is that Lakeland's a program that just has talent over talent over talent. So, like, 
so with that being said, he didn't probably get a chance to showcase himself until the spring season. But he's he's a player that's come visiting UCF the last couple of years. He's come ever since Gus has been here. He's been visiting. He came to the last year's spring football game, and he came to this year's spring football game. So I know he's a UCF fan personally. But we got competition. There's BYU out there, and uh, a couple other schools that he could go to. So he he's a toss up right now. And then John Walker is another player here in Central Florida, out in the Kissimmee area, Osceola High School. Very talented player, national recruit, close to being a five star defensive end. Um, they call him. Uh, um, they call. They call him. Actually, shout out to our boy Ernie Enriquez out there in that area. Knows him really well. And they call him Big John, so that's John Walker's name. Ever since he was like a freshman, sophomore, uh, they, they knew he this kid was going to play D1 ball, so they'd call him Big John. Big John's coming through. So that's John Walker there. Would I love him to come to UCF? Yes. Is there a shot? Man, if you saw Dumb and Dumber, you already know. So he's saying there's a chance. Damn right, there's a chance. Even if it's a one in a million shot, we got a chance because we're in his top five. He's got a great relationship with the coaches. You know, so, and, you know, he might want to stay home. But it's, uh, we got some heavy competition. I mean, Ohio State and the other four programs are definitely recruiting really strong as well. He's one I would love to see come to UCF. I just, uh, I agree with you. I I think all the way up to now, I've kind of been waiting for, for maybe he's going to start favoring some of those bigger schools. The fact that we're still in the hunt makes me feel great because I kind of wondered if we might be drifting out of it. Yeah, I, I actually... Honestly, I'm shocked that we ended up making the top five. Um, but, you know, he, he likes the coaches. He likes the program. And he, he's visited it many, many times and stuff like that. So, I'm happy to see that. And, yeah, we got a shot. We got a legit shot. I guess you could say one out of five. <laughs> it's top five. But we got a shot. But if I was a betting man, I don't see him picking us. So, I got to, you know, keep it real. And the last player that is not getting a lot of uh, – Maybe a lot of publicity. He's not necessarily from Central Florida. He came from the same school as Jamal Johnson. Uh, it's that Shamanah Madonna. That's the one. Prep school in Fort Lauderdale. Um, Elvin Harris. He's going to be a – I like him. I hope we get him. Uh, he's a talented offensive lineman that can play all five positions. Very athletic. Very big. Um, so I like him a lot. He's only a three-star, but, you know, UCF – it never mattered in the past, you know. If we knew, we knew how I always had to recruit talent, so I like this kid, and he's coming from a great program. That's a program program that competes nationally, so I'd rather take him a three star from him than, you know, than somebody who just became a three star from somewhere that plays crappy other high schools. This guy plays legit teams. You know, I think one thing I wanna I wanna talk about here is we talk about the recruits that we're getting right. I think over the last few years, UCS been known for their offense. And I think that maybe the defense has kind of gotten overlooked. And I think the rankings kind of reflect that as well. We had a couple of years there where the defensive rankings just weren't really up to par with the offense. And I think that led to some angst amongst the fan base. But look at the recruiting that Gus and, uh, and, and Williams are really putting together for UCF. I mean, you know, this last recruiting class where we got Nakai Martinez, we got the Henderson twins, right? Now we're looking at this year, we got the Harris twins coming. We're talking about potentially Braden Marshall, you know, who you just said was like Nakai last year. Braden's the best uh, DB in Central Florida, potentially this year as well. Uh, you know, John Walker's on the list. 
I mean, are, are we seeing a defensive renaissance here for, for UCF? Are we going to go into the Big 12 as a defensive juggernaut? Absolutely. I, 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 you know, yeah, I, I'm speechless because you, you said exactly what I was thinking. I mean, we got all this talent building up. And, yeah, the Big 12 is known for being an offensive league, but we can bring both, we can bring both to the table. We can have a great offense through Gus, and then we can win with our defense as well. I mean, we have a lot. I mean, Florida – has been known for its defensive players nationally. And if we're keeping them here at UCF, I mean, the Big 12 is about to get a taste of some defense. It would be, be really exciting. I mean, we know we can score points. But, I mean, think of it this way. If we know that we're going to break 30, and we know for a fact that our defense isn't going to allow 30, we're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, you know, give our defense some talent. I mean, honestly, what do we – we won um, – the games we won last year, there were a lot of close ones. And, honestly, our defense really won those games. It wasn't the offense. So – Defense is going to get better and better this year. The offense is going to keep getting better. So I'm really pumped for this season and the team. But, yes, yeah, focusing on the defense. T. Will has done a great job, him and the staff. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we jump into anything else, just wanted to talk about uh, DeMarcus Bowman. Huge transfer. Huge transfer. Yeah, I mean, a five-star running back. He was considered one of the best running backs of his class in 2020. Uh, he made his way to Clemson, right? And – Obviously, anybody going to Clemson, uh, you know, Dabo, he doesn't mess around. Um, he maybe didn't – I'm not sure exactly what happened at Clemson, but it led to him transferring um, and not using a year of eligibility, but transferring to Florida under Dan Mullen. Uh, he did get some carries um, as a freshman uh, there at Florida, but when the new coaching, cha- coaching staff changed, he decided to put his name into the transfer portal and here he is showing up, just like all these other transfers have have been uh, for Gus. And, and now we're looking at a running back room that is just loaded. I mean, you know, when we're sitting here last year and we saw that Isaiah Bowser, when he went down, our offense totally changed. I mean, Richardson is awesome, and he but he can't do it by himself, right? I think just like any any run heavy college football offense needs multiple runners that can do it. And so I think last year we saw that depth get tested a little bit. Not this year, man. We're going to have a, a, a pretty huge stable of running backs. Um, you know, obviously, uh, taking a guy that's transferred twice, you know, um, there's always risk. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm pretty high on him. What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely. I just wanted to mention that uh, he also is a Central Florida recruit. Went to Lakeland High School. So, like I said, love having Lakeland High School players one of the best high school programs here in Central Florida, so let's keep that pipeline going. Hey, he might help us recruit uh, Zipper. So hopefully he comes from Lakeland High School as well because uh, from what I'm told, DeMarcus Bowman's a legend at Lakeland. He's a legend out there. I mean, as soon as he committed, I mean, you should, it wasn't just fans that were excited. I mean, national media and everything were like, whoa, okay. He's going to UCF. All right, that's that's a it's a huge win. Yeah, you're right. The national media said, "Whoa, two five stars transferred, five mm-hmm. stars." Yeah, Terrence Lewis, the other, the linebacker, absolutely. And then that doesn't even count the year before when we got Jordan Johnson. Yeah. So I mean, Gus is finding a way. I think, again, state of Orlando. If you're here, you don't need to go anywhere else, right? You're gonna get homesick. Stay here. Stay here that's with right. us. We're, we're gonna take care of you, right? That's right. And now for the biggest news that we're going to talk about is what is going on with college football and realignment. I mean, I thought last year was crazy. I thought when Texas and Oklahoma went to the SEC that Armageddon was here and 
it, it turned out a lot of dominoes changed and, you know, we saw a lot of things going on and then it all kind of settled. We were happy going to the Big 12. Oh, man, that was just the tip of the iceberg with the news that USC and UCLA, keep this in mind, they're in Southern California, but they're now going to go play in the Big Ten. They're going to go up to Wisconsin in the snow. They're going to go up to Nebraska. It's just crazy. But you know what? Big Ten, they got a lot of money, and that's what's going on. They're all looking for the money. So we see USC and UCLA, they're joining the Big Ten, and now it's left to the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC to try to survive behind the SEC and uh, the Big 10. Just totally crazy. What do you think it's going to mean for UCF? I mean, for UCF, it's great if the Big 12 can uh, be aggressors and add on to the Big 12. I wouldn't want to see people take teams from the Big 12 because that's going to leave UCF in a bad position. It'd pretty much be the American plus, basically. So I would love to see the Big 12 take teams from the Pac-12. The ACC, I mean, they screw themselves with their media rights deal. I think they're stuck in it till 2036, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, or 2033, around that range. So, and they're going to be, they're going to be losing, not losing money, but like compared to the other conferences, they're going to be making more money than them. So, with that being said, yeah, I just want Big 12 to be aggressive. I mean, my school of preferences, I, I know a lot of people want to say Oregon and Washington because they're national brands and I get it, but... Honestly, if we can take any teams from the Pac-12, it's going to put a big dent in that conference. And the targets that I that I like that I've been hearing about, and I, actually today, supposedly, they've been meeting, so hopefully something comes out about it, but is the Arizona market and the Colorado, again, the Colorado University of Colorado that used to be part of the Big 12, and then Utah. So then BYU would have an in-state rival, and Utah has become itself a strong football national program. So those four programs are really, really close to the rest of the Big 12 schools overall. So I kind of like that for uh, scheduling purposes and like just on the map. And yeah, that would uh, that would get us to, I want, is it 16? 16 teams around there or maybe 14? So I think we're going to have 14 until Texas and Oklahoma leave. Correct. Which is also a whole nother weird, confusing situation because everybody everybody knows that they don't want to stick around as long as they are, but they haven't quite figured out. I don't out a way know to get about that. that, man. Have you seen any of those SEC shorts videos? <laughs> that's yeah, that's fair know, too. Man. I think uh, I think Texas and Oklahoma are regretting. I mean, probably for the money they want to go to SEC, but man, they they, they can't even compete in the Big Twelve as it is. So man, gonna, I can't you know I can't wait till they go to SEC to get their butts whooped, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to be just like Nebraska, irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, good job, guys. I think you made a great point. I think the schools you mentioned are ideal fits for the Big 12. I think for multiple reasons. Obviously, you know, the Arizona schools coming in as natural rivals. They they go with, uh, you know, the, the Southwest nature of most of the Big 12, you know, Midwest, Southwest. I think that makes some sense. Uh, obviously, BYU moving in, it makes it a natural partner for Utah. I mean, they have their rivalry called the Holy War that I'm sure both fan bases would love to have back. Uh, so I think, you know, that makes natural fit. And then, like you said, Colorado's from the Big 12. I think that makes sense. But, you know, I think we need to reset the landscape. Um, you know, for anybody that hasn't been following this to kind of get a good feel, you're right about the ACC media rights. They, they end in 2036. And it all kind of comes together. It's about money, right? So everybody knows the SEC is king. They make the most money in terms of their media rights deals. And then you got the Big Ten. That's that's number two. 
and they're starting to separate from the other three. So the other three are jockeying for position right now, and that's why you see schools like Texas and Oklahoma trying to make their moves, and USC and UCLA, they don't want to get left behind. They want to go see that media rights deal in those conferences, be part of the big dogs. That's the consolidation of college football right now. Having said that, where does everybody else fit? ACC, those those as of right now, every all the rumors around their media rights deals is that it's ironclad. And what I mean by that is, they, they grant their rights to the conference, and basically that ties them to the conference, which gives the conference the, the power to negotiate their media rights on their behalf. In exchange, you know, they have to basically say, we aren't going to leave unless we're going to pay a ridiculous amount of money to the conference to make it worth it. Given that it's so long, no ACC school can get out of that right now, which makes them all, they're really worried about it. Then you look at the Pac-12 just lost their biggest members. The, Pac, the Big 12 did that last year, and they, they covered it pretty well by bringing in the four schools that from the American. Are those same kind of four candidates available for the Mountain West to go to the Pac-12? I'm not so sure. And so you're sitting there kind of like, all right, what's going to happen with some of these other schools now that they know that the, the two biggest ones are, aren't going to be there? Um, you know, the Big 10, uh, they might want to start picking off more of the Pac-12, but I think everybody knows that they're waiting on Notre Dame. And Notre Dame doesn't have to make any decisions right now. They can sit back. Everybody's been trying to get them to join a conference. For the last few years, the ACC was the one that was number one on the list, saying, hey, look, come join our conference. And Notre Dame loves their independence. They are a big enough brand. They can schedule whoever they want. And they've obviously proven that they can be a top 10 program doing it that way. They control their own media rights. So why do they need to join the Big Ten? Um, their Big Ten's hoping the money's worth it. And all of this is to say that we don't know anything. You know, at the end of the day, any of this can happen. You know, the Pac-12 could end. And Oregon, Washington, those four schools we mentioned joined the Big 12, and we're looking at three super conferences. Or it could go the other way. Um, You know, I think for UCF, the biggest thing we want to happen is those four schools, possibly in addition to Oregon and Washington, joining the Big 12, making it a huge conference so that it keeps us safe. Because I think the worst case scenario is that it goes the other way, and a couple of the the standing Big Twelve teams decide to go partner with the Pac twelve. Not saying that's likely, and not saying that there's tons of rumors about that, but I think if I'm UCF, that's what I'm scared of. For sure. And one thing I wanted to mention that is what I'm waiting to hear. Yeah, not exactly what these teams are doing, but CBS. I want to know what CBS is doing because CBS has been a traditional three thirty showtime. Everybody watched the SEC game of the week, the 3.30ish time slot, but they don't got that anymore. You know, they got outbid by ESPN. SEC got taken to the ESPN going forward in a couple of years. So who's the Big 12? I mean, not, not the Big 12. Who is CBS going to add? Are they just going to give up on college football? I don't think so. And like you said, I mean, Notre Dame's with NBC with their media rights. The SEC's with ESPN. Big Ten pretty much with the Big Ten. I mean, not big, the Big Ten is with Fox. So, and Pac-12 has a deal with ESPN and Fox. But the Big 12, I mean, I, I just feel like with the Midwest, those programs, and with these four programs, UCS, Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston, man, if we went to CBS and CBS made Big 12 what they did for the SEC, because people talk about the SEC, and, but CBS helped boost. With, with what they do. I mean, CBS, CBS is a really well-produced well sports uh, program for the NFL and for what they did for SEC. So I would love for them to sign the Big 12 and showcase the Big 12 at 
every single Saturday for college football season. That is an amazing point. I mean, and that that's really where it centers around. You're right. The Big Ten has Fox. ESPN's all in on the SEC. And everything else after that is just their, you know, their extras, right? Those are the two leagues they care about. And really, when we're talking about media rights, it's, it's all about you're worth what, you're, what people are going to pay for it, right? That's what it is. And so if I'm the Big 12 who's coming up for a media rights deal soon, or even the Pac-12, right, I'm trying to get as many of these other networks that are completely missing out on college football to come in and make some bids, right? And that, that extends even beyond CBS. CBS has been a fixture, like you said, in college football. So to think that they're out of it, it I think, is, is just not reality. I think they're going to come back. They're going to come back and try. But then what happens with, say, Apple or Amazon, the two streaming services that are very interested in sports, and you're seeing them both make offers for other sports like Thursday Night Football for Amazon or the Yankees or whatever it is that these other uh, streaming packages are willing to pay. If CBS comes in with an offer and then Apple and Amazon want to get in for either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 because they know they can't get the SEC and the Big 10 – does that ramp up the price? And if I'm the Pac-12 and I'm the Big 12, I'm talking about that together. I'm trying to figure this out because you're looking at two super conferences forming. And for the rest of college football to survive, I really wonder if they need to start having those conversations saying, look, if we package some of our rights together, we can get close. I don't know. I don't know how, how that's going to work. Wow. That's interesting being in like a third super conference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So crazy, but I mean – it just sounds like, regardless, our, our competition's going to go up, which is great. I mean, I think it'd be amazing if we can join a conference like the Big 12, then they were to get a couple schools like Colorado, Utah, the Arizona schools. Think about what that conference could look like. I mean, it'd be I'll a lot you, of fun. It would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun for us fans. I mean, I don't know if you – I went to um, – when we played LSU, I went to the Arizona Bowl game, and, man, that is a great city out there in Phoenix. You know, you get hiked the mountains. They got a lot of cool bars, restaurants, uh, lovely people over there. You know, I don't know if you heard, but ASU is uh, considered one of the most good-looking uh, people and for college kids. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of eye candy in uh, Arizona and uh, a lot of fun towns. So I'd love to go back to Phoenix to go check out a game. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, I think a lot of the schools – as much as USC and UCLA and Texas and Oklahoma are the big dogs, right? I think every conference ends up with, you know, schools that kind of are the bigger brands, right? Eventually, schools win enough. They recruit well enough. They get enough revenue from winning their conference and doing those things that they can elevate. We saw that with UCF, right? You just took the words out of my mouth. It happened with American. I mean, come on. When American first started out, when a lot of teams left, and it was just us. I don't think people were picking Cincinnati and UCF to be the top dogs. But look, that's what happened. We ended up being the top dogs. We were just talking about this. The Big 12 championship last year was one of the most watched college football championships uh, last year. And it included Oklahoma State and Baylor, who are both still Big 12 members. This could be great for them. This could this could elevate those programs in addition to some of the new programs coming to the Big 12. If I'm the Pac-12, that's kind of what I've got to be looking at. USC and UCLA have not been in the championship games for a long time either, right? So it's like, yeah, they're the big names. They're the big names because they won the championships already, and they built their programs. This is going to open up the opportunity for some other schools to do that, and we could be sitting here five years from now talking about how one of these other schools now has elevated their profile 
and now they are one of the big dogs in college football. So, I mean, exciting times in college football to come. And uh, with that, we will uh, end our episode of the Nightcap podcast with our Toast of the Nightcap. Scott? Thank you, Sean. The Toast of the Nightcap goes to Sharon and Mark Hagel. Their commitment of over $5 million will help UCF make a big entrance in the Big 12. Renovations to an improved football campus will begin soon, in part to their donation. Night Nation, raise your glass to the Haggles for their generosity and their love for our nights. Cheers.